Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. An important aspect of the art world that isn't discussed nearly enough is art conservation. Conservators play a significant role not only in the actual conservation of artworks, but also in the art market. Artworks that are sold oftentimes need to be conserved, and in general, transactions often require the review and approval of a condition report that's generated from a trained eye, such as a conservator. So in this week's episode of the podcast, we chat with Suzanne Ziano, founder of Modern Art Conservation, a leading art conservation studio in New York City. Prior to founding Modern Art Conservation, Suzanne was a conservator in the Paintings Conservation Department at MoMA for 13 years. I've personally used Suzanne's services on multiple occasions for my clients for condition reports and conservation work. She really is one of the leaders in the field. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Suzanne, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. I think art conservation plays such a pivotal role in the art world and the art market, but really isn't talked about enough, so we're excited to have you on. So to begin, tell us, what are some of the main reasons why you get calls on a daily basis from clients who need your services? Well, let's see. First of all, I don't think people call me on a daily basis, which is good. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's it's true. I mean, I think that uh, I obviously we, we, we're happy to have work, but we don't like to see damage that much. So uh, it's nice when we're called to... Uh, examine works for sale or for loan and that's a very nice part of conservation and a service that we offer where we are you know examining works doing condition reports or loan reports so that people can uh, buy and sell art or loan their art or borrow art um, with sort of a health report that goes along with it and that can you know influence how someone might negotiate a sale, but also might influence what needs to be done to an artwork to safely travel it to a museum exhibition, say. But then we also do get calls for damage events and uh, for collectors, it can be anything from, you know, some event in their home or building, fire or leak. Um, It could be something like, you know, guests came over and dropped you know, a piece of cake on the floor and, you know, the artwork is not glazed and something got on the artwork. Um, there's a range. Um, but also we get calls from people who, you know, just want to know how to take care of their artworks. Um, in New York City, for example, you, you do have a lot of dust and a lot of construction that goes on in apartment buildings, particularly over the summer. Um, and the ventilation systems are all connected. So you have accumulation of particulates of dust or construction dust and you know people really want to protect what I would say is an investment but also something that they might love and that they need to care for Uh, so I think there's a lot of proactivity on the part of collectors these days I think they're more knowledgeable than uh, than one might expect and they know uh, to call a conservator and that might be because of their good art advisor, their collection manager, or just, you know, watching a, a show and they're like, oh, you know what? There's somebody out there who, who can help me with this. 
Yeah, I'm definitely a big proponent of utilizing conservators. And if we're talking about investment quality art, really some of the services you mentioned that you offer, whether it's due diligence in the form of a condition report or cleaning artworks that are already in your home, all of these things at the end of the day are really a fraction of what the value of the artwork is. Again, if we're talking about investment quality art. I think for a lot of well, they don't realize that, you know, the, the longevity of the artwork is important, obviously, and the conservator is part of that. That's our, our goal. It's not just to take care of things that need to be restored or conserved, but also to prevent something from happening to them. And then I think when you're buying art, you really do need someone to look at the physical object for you, because that's not something that is um, necessarily going to be told to you in uh, in the truest manner by every person who's involved in the sale process. And the conservator is usually quite objective and just trying to explain to you what is damaged, what might be the artist's hand, you know, what to expect for works by a certain artist. There are conditions that not all art is pristine, perfect, but that might be coming out of the artist's studio that way. And it's something you a potential buyer and even a seller need to understand. And that's our job is to kind of tell you that. Well, there are so many layers to the art world. Some people act in good faith, some don't, and some just don't really know what they're doing. And if we're speaking about a private transaction, for example, some buyers simply rely on the seller's word about the condition of a work. And not to say the seller's intentions are even necessarily bad, but if you can't see the work in person, or perhaps it's an older work and you don't have a trained eye to be able to determine if there's been previous conservation or any kind of treatment or really to be able to deduce the condition of the work, why not spend a fraction of the price of the artwork to have a conservator look at it so you know exactly what you're getting yourself into? That extra due diligence is so worth it in my view. Yeah, and you know what you're getting. You know, you also know what you're getting yourself into into i mean maybe it's just that you're buying something that you want to put in like your home in miami and it's made of something that especially with modern contemporary or even with an old master panel painting say like you know they, they need they have certain needs in order to take good care of the work so you do need to know what it entails to have something that is made of an unusual material or that might be sensitive to light and you know want to know that because maybe it's not the right artwork for you and your art advisor or the seller might be telling you that it's great or they, the art advisor might be saying don't do that but the conservator kind of fills that informational gap and says yes or no or these are the things you need to do in order to make it work for you. I think during COVID it was a very interesting time in the art market where people were still buying and selling art but in many cases couldn't see the art in person I'm wondering how COVID changed your business, the art conservation business. Did your services or certain services become more in demand in certain ways? What was that experience like for you? It was interesting for us. You know, we are obviously, we need to see things in person for the most part. And we need to work on art in person. So we're a, a pretty big team for, for a conservation studio, about 12 people. And we work in a very large space. So at first we all went home and didn't do anything. And then the art world kind of pivoted and said, okay, we're going to do a lot of online sales or we're going to go through with auctions. And we had a lot of art that was going for sale, packed up in the studio that we had left there 
checking on it, but it was there waiting for treatment before these sales were going to happen. So it kind of forced us back in, but we were not wanting to necessarily go on site and be, you know, in people's homes. People didn't want us there. We didn't want to be there. It was a nervous time. So we started doing remote reports, which we hadn't really done before. In the past, I had, um, if, if someone needed a report in London, say I would just find a colleague in London who would look and then I would sort of translate for my clients what that conservator was saying. But now we were starting to do things where we would find maybe an art handler or a specialist at an auction house who would do the looking and I would guide that looking. And it would be through a lot of images, a video chat, and then like revisiting and ha- making sure they had all the tools that I would bring, magnifiers and ultraviolet light, so that I could get a sense of the condition of that painting so a sale could be made. And interestingly, we would then, you know, later on, we started to go and see those paintings. It was good to compare what our remote report showed us and what actually was the condition. And most of the time it, it aligned pretty well. So. Um, and some auction specialists are really good at looking now. We've worked with them for so many years. They, they kind of know how we look so that that would actually make it a lot easier. But the other thing that kind of happened for us was um, that as a lot of conservators who, who were home, I think, decided that maybe they were ready to retire. And so I'd say like two to three major conservators retired. Uh, just as we were coming out of COVID. And we are such a specialized field, and especially for us in modern and contemporary, which is a paintings, which is a very big part of the market. Um, not, not having those conservators working as much or at all um, meant that there were many clients who needed to find another conservator or conservation team. So we actually have many more clients now. Um, and that's that. That's great, but um, but those people were really talented and really a big part of, of growing the field for us and, and letting us basically, you know, now take on the next, all these clients. And some, some people, their teams have also started. So a, lot, a younger generation has started some studios, which is, is great. I mean, the more conservators we have, the happier we are. There's a lot of work out there. And so when you're actually conserving artworks, I'm wondering, has recent technological innovation changed the way that paintings and other artworks are conserved today, or are things very similar to what they were maybe a few decades ago? Um, I think there's actually been a lot. We, you know, we are a field that looks to other fields for tools and um, materials. So we're always looking sort of to medicine and the military or like detergent industry or cosmetics or um, the food industry. And, and I've even like worked with NASA on a project of cleaning soot off paintings. Like there are kind of interesting things that we um, find out in the world that we then bring to conservation. So as like the rest of the world is more technologically advanced, we, we kind of pick and choose what might work for us. Some things do, some things don't. And there are, scientists in our field who are really dedicated to finding like new things for us to use to look at painting so there's a lot of analytical and imaging technology that's developed and then there are just materials that we use now that we didn't use in the past or we maybe we sometimes find old materials that we realize actually could work but maybe in a different way so there's always like looking for new ways to deal with cleaning a painting or um, uh, maybe you know, maybe in painting, but really cleaning. Cleaning is really the, or looking and understanding like 
what you're seeing and what might be restoration or what might be damage. Um, so there are a lot of things. And then just imaging in general has just become so good. So for us in the past, you know, when we do treatments um, or even go on site, we, you know, we used to carry a camera with film <laughs> in the past and you had to wait for those images to come back you know, <laughs> slides or printed pictures to come back to you, to know that you've, fully documented the work before you could do anything. And just having everything be digital and such high quality now, we can, you know, it speeds up the process and it allows us also to maybe do like very high resolution, very um, detailed, like almost like using having a microscope on site with some even just like small devices we add to a, a phone that we can really zoom in and see things uh, that, that tell us a lot about the painting that we couldn't do before. So actually I'm just about to buy a, uh, well, actually I'm waiting for it to be delivered, uh, a, an interesting little digital microscope that's very small that I can take on site and just set up in order to actually have a microscope with me that can just uh, wirelessly send the images to, you know, an iPad or a phone or a computer. And that will, will be just an, a, a great tool to have. So we're always looking for things. And we find a lot of unusual things from the food industry, say like Zamzum, which people see like on, mm. the, in, like on the packages of different things, but those gels and things, we often suspend materials in so that we can very like carefully clean paintings, um, certain things off paintings, especially modern paintings, which have different requirements than an old master that might have a varnish layer on it. Wow, that's really interesting that art conservation is influenced by so many different fields from an innovation perspective. So since we have you here and all of your knowledge, I was wondering if you could maybe give some advice to collectors who are listening and maybe share what are a few of the most common mistakes you've seen in terms of how collectors acquire and then install and live with their art that may lead to conservation needs down the road. And perhaps if they're listening and take your advice, uh, they'll be able to avoid some of those. For me, the biggest thing is that people buy art that doesn't fit in the door, <laughs> in the elevator, um, through the window even. And they think that any large painting can be folded or rolled. Folded is not like actually like folded with a crease, but it's a, a term we use for sort of kind of wrapping an artwork around a tube in a different way than rolling. And that cannot happen safely for all artwork. So it's very good to know the limitations of the space that you want to put the artwork into, just because it's not always good for the art to go through that. And um, it's expensive, but also it can be dangerous and damage the art, even if you're the safest conservator or art handling team that's going to roll and restretch the painting. So that is a thing that I see very commonly and especially with modern because the, there are a lot of, you know, great large paintings out there. Um, the other thing is, is, you know, a lot of people want art around them in their homes, like in the dining room or, you know, right near where a lot of people or food or drinks are going to be. And, um, and sometimes this is even in an office space. Like a lot of offices are, have great art being hung in them. And again, like very close to things that could damage the artwork. And if that is going to be the case, it's not that you cannot do it, but there are ways to live with the art, you know, maybe glazing the art, good framing, glazing uh, could really help to protect the art if you must hang it above the fireplace or, you know, again, like behind your dining room table. Um, you know, damages can happen and there are a lot of things conservators can do 
but there are paintings that are extremely sensitive that that intervention is never going to be invisible. And that's going to impact how it looks later as it ages. It's going to impact probably the price during sale because there could be things that, you know, um, show up that someone says, well, those are our damages or there's great in painting, but it's still that in painting on it. Not everybody wants to see that. Um, so I think there are a lot of things that people can do, but I do think that having um, routine maintenance is something that people don't think about, but that could be super helpful. You know, maybe have your collection dusted, do not have, you know, anyone else touch it and clean it, but dust does accumulate. So it's good to have that happen maybe once a year. Um, if you're not in your home all year, do not turn the climate control off. Do not turn the air conditioner off. I think a lot of people leave, you know, for the summer, they might turn everything off and that's great environmentally, but it's not great for your art. So you have to find a balance. And it's not that all art has to live in like perfect conditions all the time, but they need to live in very steady conditions. That is the most important thing. The changes are not dramatic. And um, so you can sort of like lower the, you know, you can, you can keep the temperature steady. It doesn't have to be, you know, 45, 50% humidity, 70 degrees. It could be a little bit off from that, but as long as it's not fluctuating, that's much better for your artwork. Um, and if you're really going to be gone for a long time and you're leaving your collection, it's good to have someone go in and just check it because things happen around your home, whether it's like, you know, some water infiltration somehow, or, um, you know, bugs, you know, getting in, like landing on the painting. So there are a lot of things to look for um, just to have good maintenance. Um, and, you know, conservators provide that, but collection managers really help registrars, art advisors. And I think we all work together. And this all, of course, then also makes your insurance company happy, which is good to have good care because obviously like when things happen, often it ends up being an insurance claim. And so the the more sort of preventive, as we said, the more preventive care that can happen, the better it is all around. That was really amazing advice and we really appreciate it. And I was also thinking about artists who may be listening and thinking about when they make their artworks in their studio initially, if there's anything they can be doing in regard to how the work is made that may lead to less conservation issues down the road for their collectors who eventually acquire the works. So I, I have a friend who's an artist who said that after he met me, I would just be sitting on his shoulder, <laughs> kind of with my finger, like pointing at this. And I told him, I said, you know, you have to make art the way you envision it. You have to make it the way you want. I don't want to be that person. I don't want the conservator to be that person who says, no, you can't do this. But we are a resource for artists to maybe find better materials or to just make choices that maybe can extend the life uh, of an artwork. But just as an artist with no conservator involved, it's very good to research the materials you're using. Just look, like it's really super fun to go to an art supply store and buy all these really interesting, cool things. Some of them though are made better than others. Some of them, it's not the better, but some of them are made to last longer than others. Some have a certain purpose. So there are certain inks that fade quickly or pigments that fade in the light quickly or canvases on stretchers that maybe are just very, very weak and you're painting a big painting and that's really not going to last. Like it's, 
if you have the money to invest in better material, it's not always expense, but often it is like a little bit extra, it's worth doing that. And then if you really are making things that require special handling or special care, or you really want your the people who, who purchase your art to, you know, glaze that, to frame it with glass, say, you know, you, you have certain requirements or you know that if someone puts their finger like right on the face of the painting, that's going to impress into your paint or your bubble gum or your dust or glitter or whatever it might be that you're making art out of. It's it, on a painting, there's, there's the opportunity usually to put handling instructions on the back of the painting. Now this can't happen for every artwork, obviously, if you're making a sculpture that some, you know, you can't, there's not a place for instructions all the time. But I think that people think that in the sale process, you know, there's a lot that's in a contract that might say, this is what the artist requires. This is what the artist is asking for. I mean, this happens a lot with installation art. The instructions are there, but they don't always travel with the artwork as the art moves along. Just like conservation history doesn't travel along with the artwork unless it's in a museum or a certain collection where the collector is really like passing on information to the next generation. But for the most part, there isn't a lot of information there on how to take care of a certain artwork. So the most of the artists can do, you know, by adding some handling instructions is, is a great thing. And there are certain artists, very well-known artists that we all know, you know, look at the back and you'll see, you know, don't do this, do this, wear gloves, don't touch the face. And that's very helpful. But if you have questions about materials or you want to, you know, maybe investigate how to do something differently, you know, conservators do work with artists. And we work with many. A lot of them have come to us either through their galleries, knowing that they needed help and they know us or because of the damage that happened to an artwork of theirs. And and they met us. You know, we, we like to really you know, collaborate with the artists when we can. Um, and from that meeting, then they're like, oh, you you know a lot about my art now and I want you to help me figure out the best varnish to use or uh, the best stretcher to use or maybe how to you know make the paint dry in a certain way or there are just many things that we're we're there we're here for um, we can't answer everybody's questions all the time and there's a lot online obviously but um, but the better materials you choose the more likely that it's going to um, last longer and it will help the artist market to know that they are well-made artworks. Suzanne, thank you so much again for coming onto the podcast and sharing your really valuable perspective on art conservation and the many different aspects of it. If our listeners want to learn more about modern art conservation and some of the services that you do offer, what's the website they can visit? It is modernartconservation.com. Perfect. Thanks so much again. Take care. Thanks. Bye.